and welcome to Portroidcast episode 36. As always, I'm Rick. On today's episode, I'm joined by Brian Faraday. Brian is an actor who's appeared in dozens of films and TV shows over the past 20 years. So if you've seen films or TV shows in that time frame, you've likely seen Brian at least once. Uh, some of his credits include The Blacklist, Girls 5 Eva, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, The Tick, Jessica Jones, American Hustle, Fosse Verdon, Measure of a Man, and most recently, Don't Look Up. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy we were able to do this. I, I reached out to you a little while ago, and but then you were going to film. Um, I, I won't say what it is in case in case you don't want to oh, reveal no, it's that. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you said, "Oh, I can't do it now. I'm I'm heading out of town to, to film some scenes in, in this movie," um, and I was like, "Oh, wow. Okay, sorry, Mr. Yeah, exactly." <laughs> um, but uh, let, let's just go back to the beginning. How did you get started in acting? It was probably high school, you know, there's probably some, you know, grade school plays here or there, but I transferred from a public high school to a private school, and at my public high school, you, you really couldn't have that much overlap between the arts and sports, so if you were in one area, that was sort of the clique you belonged to, and, and you just didn't really have the time, and there wasn't necessarily the um, focus on on sort of, you know, building the, the entire person, but when I went to private school, there was more encouragement to still be doing something artistic in, you know, in the midst of a sports season. So when I went to my junior year of high school, I was interested in um, trying out theater. And the first play I did was Electra. So starting with like a Greek tragedy, I didn't realize I was, right in. I was delving right in. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, it wasn't a very art. It was an all boys school. It was definitely more uh, sports related school. But there was a, um, a girls school that was fairly um artistic and and they would you know have uh you know boys from different schools come over and do shows there so that was that was where it first started and where, where was this this was in boston in boston. the boston area yeah, yeah. you grew up in that area yeah. yeah yeah so what brought you here to new york so i got here in um 1998 and really the main thing i was coming for was a job working mm -hmm. for a consulting firm and you know, I did have interest in acting because I did live in L.A. for a year after I graduated college. So I was there for a good part of 96 and 97. So then I was coming here in 98 and hadn't really liked it out there that much. Uh, never had um, steady employment. It was a lot of different things. So I was excited to be able to come here and do this, even though I knew absolutely nothing about consulting. <laughs> but I was like, well, at least, you know, I'll be in New York. I mean, at least that's like the second like capital for entertainment. So I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I'll still be able to kind of be in the game a little bit. And um, so when I first got here, I, I knew on camera was more of my interest. So I really delved right into doing casting director agent workshops. I mean, I, I definitely did plays when I first got here too, but I really wanted to focus on doing these classes, getting in front of uh, on camera personnel. Yeah. And what was the first role that made you want to do this for a living? Oh boy. Wow. That's a good question. Um, maybe my senior year of college, I did Much Ado About Nothing. I played uh, the villainous Don John. And I think it was around that time where the, the interest, you know, started to, you know, I started thinking more about living in California after graduating. So that might have been the, the thing that, that propelled it most at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I met back in 2012, I believe it was, yeah. uh, at a going away gathering for a mutual friend uh, and previous Portrait cast guest, uh, Aaron Gould. Yes. Um, you had a recurring role on Aaron's series, Casters. Now, how did that come about? Uh, interesting. Um, 
which is funny, podcasts and everything like that. That was before like anyone. I mean, he was he was really sort of a trailblazer. Yeah, with that it was show. Kind of, yeah, we talked yeah. about that on the show. Just the, the fact um, that the show was about podcasters before podcasting became right. this huge thing. So he knew I was a, an actor. You know, he had carved out. I think who his two leads were. He already knew those two guys along with the producers he had. So I think they had. Um, but I helped him with his uh, audition process, and I remember, you know, I, I wasn't making any final decisions, but was you know, probably helping him a little bit with uh, some of the evaluations. So the the female lead that he ended up having, and then, you know, going it was exciting because going through that night, a lot of the people, you know, they were initially reading for some of those leads, and they might not have got those parts, but they ended up doing. You know, Aaron liked so many of those people that he plugged them in at different times, and maybe he thought you know, one might do one or two episodes, and they ended up doing like five or six. So so my character did, I was in a couple, and I was a, one half of a conservative um, co-host, and uh, we were like rivals right. of yeah. the, you know, the, you know, the guy playing Aaron, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was fun. Um, and, you know, the second time around I got to do it, they showed a softer side of that particular character, uh, which was nice, and because... Uh, you know, the first time there was there was there was more hostility between them. So actually, you know, now I think about it. Well, I think I did the two episodes, and then they came back and did the movie. Right. Yeah. So the movie is yeah. That's where I, you know, came back and um, I think I'd fallen on some hard times. Okay. And me and one of the leads were like on a snowy day in a Lower East Side bar, and yeah, uh, yeah we yeah. Aaron and I talked about the movie because he never put it out. Right. You know, he he put it together and then said, oh, there was something not quite right. You know, we talked about it. On, actually, he was the last episode I did. So people have probably heard that already, but <laughs> just to clue you in, you know, he, he was working on it and he said, I think I just need to go back and recut some stuff. And then I was like, put it out there, please. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was about seven years ago. It's been a while yeah. since, since you guys put that one together. Yeah. Um, now as a working actor, how often are you auditioning or how, how's the, what's the process like for that now? It's interesting because in the COVID era, it's all self-tape pretty much. I think yeah. I've had one in-person audition since then. That was actually the, the callback for Boston Strangler. But um, most stuff is, is on tape, and it's pretty rare that you're getting actual feedback back from it. So it's something that's, I guess, I don't want to say, I mean, every actor has that challenge of now they're more so than ever have to go in and analyze the scene the way they think think it should be done and do it and put it forth, but you're not getting that immediacy you used to of having the casting director say, oh, that's great, but try it this way. Right, or yeah. actually, you know, take away that accent, or he's much more friendlier than you're making him, or da-da-da. So we don't have that, So, but no one else does. So Yeah, you're on equal, equal ground. Yeah, still, I mean... You don't get the presence. You don't have the immediacy yeah. of the room, so... Uh, but TV auditions and some film, even you know before COVID, a lot of times the director wouldn't be in the room anyway. They were seeing you off tape, but at least the casting director right. you were there with. So it's shifted some things. It's um, uh, the schedule of when I do auditions is much more manageable. I can do it on weekends or after work or on lunch breaks instead of having to you know, take the subway to Hell's Kitchen in the middle of the day and be right. in a room for thirty seconds. <laughs> So there's there are some benefits there, and then you know if you want to do 18 takes, you could do that. Whereas if you're in person after two or three, they're going to need to move on. Yeah, so, yeah. that's good. Actually, my next question was about the pandemic and how that affected you. So, how did that affect you personally, and also how has it affected you now returning to filming sets? Yeah, so I guess there were about six months where there was no production. Yeah. So I think as we started to hit September 2020 it started to come back and 
you know, what was interesting for me in that fall and going into the winter was I had two situations where I was uh, sequestered. Uh, the first time I worked on an Apple show called Invasion, which actually I booked like a few weeks before the pandemic. And so then it was like four, it was 14 days in a Long Island wow. hotel. And um, it was nice with the money, but it, I mean, it, it definitely gets a little uh, isolating. I mean, you, yeah. you have your Jack you know, Nicholson moments, you know, <laughs> throwing a rubber ball against the wall. But, um, but by the time I hit December into early January, I guess the CDC recommendation had come down. So then when I was sequestered for Don't Look Up in Boston, that was eight days. Right. So you still, you know, feel the, the length of that. But, uh, but, you know, a lot of testing. You know, even, you know, the, the sequester age, I think, is, is pretty much done at this point. But even stuff since, you know, vaccinations became more normal, you're still getting tested a few times ahead of time. So that's different. And certainly, uh, you know, wearing masks and, um, and such. There's, you don't have um, eating meals together as like a company, cast and crew. So it's, um, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of... Um, um, changes in that regard. But I feel like New York and maybe California has, has pretty much come back to pre-pandemic levels of production. So Yeah, I think good. I think what I've seen is, you know, that you do the testing. Uh, most people wearing masks if they're not, uh, you know, on, on camera. Mm -hmm. um, again, I'm just seeing it from afar. I'm not involved in the world yeah. of it, but, you, you know, you kind of see a lot of people posting and, uh, you know, clips of all that stuff. So uh, it was interesting to hear from, you know, your perspective being there. Uh, at least it's feeling normal again, which is yeah. great. Yeah. You and I have attended theater together in the past. Yeah. Um, and I, I had never asked you if you had done theater. Now, you did mention it in this, um, but is that something that you are interested in never returning to? You did mention that you like the on-camera stuff, but I just didn't know if you yeah, have that. Yeah, I'm in the still. theater union actors' equity, so, you know, that opportunity is there. It's, um, you know, it's a little bit of a, a different world, and, you know, I, I hate the term, but what they call, like, straight theater, meaning non-musical theater, right. uh, you know, extremely competitive and, you know, would, would be more difficult to do with the full-time job that I have. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think anyone that does Shakespeare acting has probably had to have spent some time in London studying. So I think it's, um, it, it's, it's just a smaller world and I think it is more competitive. So I definitely have a lot of appreciation for, or for, uh, you know, people that are really sticking to it in that world because I think it, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely challenging on a lot of levels. So, I mean, would I want to go back to it at some point? Yeah, I, mean, I think if the right opportunity was there, yeah. So yeah. let's go back to this. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the full-time job. Um, balancing that with filming, your filming schedule. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you had to sequester for two weeks, how does that work with work? Or are you able to do things remotely? In, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Really I've nice. been remote even before COVID. So it actually worked out really well i mean i just you know worked in the the hotel room so it that's was, wonderful yeah it worked out <laughs> very nice um so yeah i've been fortunate to be with a, a company where there has been flexibility from the time i went into the office and, and times now gosh probably close to 10 years nine years where I, I have been working remote and again in this new schedule where i can make the time more uh, i'm in a better place where i don't have to again at 3 30 at 11 a.m you know, sort of get up from the desk and go somewhere and, and be sort of a prisoner to, if they're really behind schedule or something, Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get back to acting, but outside of acting, what are some of your passions? Well, I'm definitely a big reader. I uh, read uh, a lot of biographies, different classics, uh, you know, crime novels, sort of, you know, whatever. 
uh, just you just switch it up. Um, you know, I love exploring the city. I could I could walk from one end of the Manhattan to the other yeah. if I have time. Um, you know, definitely, yeah. Stay, you know, staying active is such a big thing. Uh, you know, um, I guess trying to find artistic inspiration in other realms is a good thing. I, I think for actors and maybe any sort of artist, if they're feeling a little stuck or a little burnt out, just not getting the volume of things they want in their own. You know, sometimes branching out and maybe going to see live music or an art exhibit or something like that, finding inspiration in new things, nature, you know, is, is helpful for me. So, uh, so I mean, it's with the, the full-time job and the acting, but yeah. it, it's strange. It's just from a standpoint of not really knowing what one week can be like to the next, sometimes there's weeks where it seems like there's four or five auditions and there's a lot of time spending memorizing the lines and then creating the character and then actually doing the the filming and then after that then I have two or three weeks where there's no auditions at all and it's like oh I got all this time on my hands <laughs> and then of course right when I say that then like something comes yeah up. something comes up so it's uh it's there's a certain unpredictability but uh, you know there's certainly a sacrifice in it too I think all actors are kind of afraid to go on vacation because we're afraid we go on vacation and the audition of a lifetime will come through although at least in this self-tape era yeah you can do you, it you, you can be somewhere yeah. a lot easier than <laughs> it used to be yeah yeah um, you mentioned just now that you like to walk around the city. Um, a couple, probably now, five or six years ago, I did this project with Portroids where um, I had a, a group of us that started at the very top of Manhattan and walked all the way down to Battery Park all along Broadway because that's mm -hmm. one, one street that runs the whole way. And um, I was taking Polaroids of people as, as we went, you know, just people we ran into on the street just to show the... Again, this this is about me, not you, but it's going to come back to you. Um, <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. Um, just, you know, taking pictures just to show the diversity of the city and just how the, you know, the, the different cultures as you, as you walk through the, the city. And then um, my wife, who you know, Erica, and I did just did that walk again, you know, like kind of on, a, on the anniversary of it. Just like, hey, let's just do it without taking pictures, just the fun of it. Um, so when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, you know, Brian maybe maybe would, would come with us yeah. on, on a walk like that. Um, but just going back to what you said, it is so interesting just to walk around the city, look at the city, and just observe the people. Um, now, as, as an actor, you, you say you're kind of building a role. Mm -hmm. How much of that do you get from the script, the director, you know, or, or, or are you building on your own and then, you know... I guess I'm just looking for what you're doing to build out a specific character. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always something of the person themselves that's in inside the character. And, you know, some people, I, I think they find the challenge if it is something more, you know, villainous or just a you know, selfish character, a character that doesn't have as many redeeming qualities. And so then there's the challenge of, okay, how do I bring myself into that? And there's a certain, I guess, courage and, and honesty that has to go into that. So, yeah, that's definitely part of it. But, you know, and I'm glad you mentioned about the walking around the city and seeing people because I think the being observant is a big part of acting, at least at least for me. I mean, you know, doing a fair amount of uh, blue-collar roles or kind of these, uh, whether it's Boston or New York, kind of these character actors are really always kind of want to soak in the conversations I'm seeing, if whether it's cops having it or people in other professions, the way they you know, interact in, in, in a bodega or in a bar or in the park. Um, those are all things I'm just trying to take in. Uh, I had a great teacher at Stella Adler that uh, mentioned having awareness without judgment. 
and he said that was really important for actors to, to sort of see everything around them, don't don't judge it, and you know bring that into their work. Yeah, that, that's really it's really a valuable thing because if you're if you are portraying someone a character, and and you're judging that character, then mm. you know you're not truthfully portraying the character you know because you're not living you're uh, if i'm if i'm doing something i think i'm doing the right thing even if it's a, the wrong thing you know i'm doing it for my own motivations so i always find that fascinating with actors that that you have to get into that mindset of like i have to like who i am even if i hate who i am you know like if the actor hates it and it shows versus the character hates who they are and that shows it's different you know and i think i think that's really a kind of a powerful thing that um just yeah, Robert De Niro that. has a great line. Uh, we get to play these people, but we don't have to live with the consequences. Nice. I really yeah. like that. Yeah. Now, uh, this actually leads into what I was going to say. You play, you often play roles of like the everyman or a cop or a fireman, a manager, bad guy sometimes, a detective, which is different from a cop, you know. <laughs> um, then, but your roles are also often roles that move the plot forward. You know, like you're a, a, you know, a necessary person that has to play into the, the, the part. Um, what roles would you like to play that you haven't or ones that you'd like to go back to that, that maybe you haven't done in a while? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, it, it's a good point about what you make with that because I think, you know, it is important for someone who is in more of a co-star realm, a supporting realm, to understand about moving the plot forward. I think so many of us come from acting schools and backgrounds where we want to create these characters and every line is incredibly important and then you get in a casting director session or on set and they're just like I'll oh, throw it away throw it away you know yeah. so uh, so sometimes the roles are like that and I think for, for people maybe coming out of these programs it's it's sort of a shock initially because you you think of like everything as being so important and you realize not every scene is created equal not every line is created equal and certainly not every character is so um, so yeah, I mean, I think the characters, I think the ones that I've enjoyed the most um, have had multiple layers, dimensions to them. Um, so, you know, those are the characters I would like to do uh, more of, to have more of a journey. I mean, I've certainly had some characters that have been you know, five or ten lines and thought to myself, I'm like, wow, you know, if there was a couple more episodes in that or if they're just, you know, went in a different direction with that, there, there could be more with this particular person. So, you know, that's why the uh, the prospect of something being recurring is always nice. Because yeah. you think, you know, oh, maybe the writers will see me in some way that, that they can sort of uh, take it in a direction that they hadn't initially thought. Yeah, that, that's a good, you are, you show up in a lot of um, like uh, television programs, you know, serials, mm -hmm. um, but also in movies, but in movies, you know, this is, this is it. But it, when you show up in, in you know, a television show, you're like, yes, I, yeah, I, could, exactly. I could come back if, if I haven't been killed or if I wasn't just, you know, a quick, a quick walk by, you know, like, so yeah, that, that's kind of an interesting, like, look at it. Like, did I bring something to this that the writer or, or someone that, that's putting this together says, hey, you know, I could build on that, you know, so that, that's, it's And it's I can build on that by killing him in the next yeah, episode, because yeah. I've seen that happen. Yeah. Right. I have to bring him back to <laughs> kill him, right. <laughs> to make sure he never comes yeah. back. No. Um, I'm going to tell a quick story, uh, which you're, you're well familiar with. Uh, years ago on your birthday, um, oh boy. we attempted to go, you and I attempted to go to a screening oh. of Bridge of Spies. Yeah. 
Uh, Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks were in attendance at that. Yeah. Uh, we got turned away because it hit capacity before we got there. So All the cinephiles. <laughs> you and I were 15 years older than anyone else that was there. Like That's the true. entire NYU and Columbia film schools had descended. I know. Yeah. And, and so we... Um, Turned our, turned away, uh, you know, didn't get to see the film, didn't get to see, you know, Spielberg and Tom Hanks talking about the film. Um, but uh, one of the actors in that film, Mark Rylance, um, you reached out to me saying, hey, I'm going to be in a movie with Mark Rylance, that Mark yeah. Rylance is in. And that movie was Don't Look Up. Um, now, I watched the movie, and I thought, okay, I'm going to look for him in a scene with Mark Rylance. But yeah. just, it was just I let kinda, that part out. Yes. Yeah. No, no, it's good. It was, it was, I was like, okay, he's going to be connected. But um, I was surprised. And, and I'm always thrilled when I see you show up in something I'm watching. I'm like, hey, it's Brian. You know? um, but then I saw you in a key scene acting opposite Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio, which is kind of the stars of this movie. Mark Rylance was, you know, this, this minor character, even though he's a brilliant actor, it was kind of like, oh, I thought maybe you were going to be one of his henchmen, um, which you often show up as a henchman. Yeah, exactly. um, now, you've worked with some legendary actors and directors. Um, anything that stands out from those, I mean, this experience or any of those any experiences historically? Well, it's interesting. So I worked on American Hustle. Unfortunately, um, you know, my part didn't get in there, but I remember Bradley Cooper, you know, I think he had a really good relationship with David O. Russell. And, and I remember Bradley Cooper just like setting up so much stuff. I'm like, he was kind of quasi-directing some of the scenes that he was in. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, he's, he's definitely going to be a director sometime soon. And then, of course, A Star is Born comes yeah. out. And uh, so um, so that was interesting to see. Um, I'm trying to think what other um, examples. I mean, I definitely have, have come across some some really lovely people. Mariska Hargitay was great when I worked on SVU. And, and you see, um, you know, stars of that level in a lot of ways that, that they have a, a fair amount of creative control on the set because the directors are kind of coming in here and there like a director might do Blue Bloods one week three weeks later he does FBI Most Wanted uh, after that he does Chicago Fire so sometimes the, the producers who often could be the stars too are they're a through line there more than maybe the director for that episode so it's interesting to see how that dichotomy works um, Adam McKay very nice um, uh, I, I would say the TV show I might have enjoyed the most was uh, The Path which was about a cult on Hulu, um, Shell Monahan, Aaron Paul. It was, it was really great. So, um, yeah, did I answer your question? I mean, sort were you of, looking? Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I'm asking, talking about nice people, but no, no, I think no, you yeah, might I have just, wanted... Uh, no, no, I was just trying to find out, you know, because you're, you are, again, I'm going, I'm going to just talk about Don't Look Out, don't look yeah, out yeah. for a minute. Because, again, I was looking for you in certain scenes, and then suddenly it's like, hey, there's this scene with DiCaprio and, and Jennifer Lawrence... And, and Brian shows up, and he is kind of, I, I'm sure everyone's seen it. If not, you know, I'm not giving away too much. But, you know, you're kind of a, a, pivotal, a pivotal scene where your character is the one that realizes this horrible thing is going to, you know, is happening. Mm -hmm. And you hold your own with these, you know, legendary actors. You know, people that are, have been in, in, our, in our zeitgeist forever. Um, so I was just curious. My question was, if anything... And, and you sort of, you answered it with the, with Bradley Cooper, just how that, um, how working with, with, with these actors and holding your own in the scene, you know, you're not, well, you draw focus for me because I know you and I'm like, Hey, I need my friends in there, you know, yeah. but you, you know, you're, you're, as we talked about earlier, you're, you're pushing the scene forward and, um, but you're also allowed to 
be you. You know, you're allowed to act in the scene. So I was just trying to find out if anything stood out from working with these, you know, specific, not even, even not even these specific actors, but just you know other um, people that might be that might be intimidating to others to, to work with. Well, I think an interesting thing when you talk about things that stand out, and I think one thing that stands out is the actual lack of glamour. Yeah. You know, getting up really early in the morning, you know, being in a smaller little, the word trailer is just, that wouldn't be a fair word. They call <laughs> them honey wagons. Yeah. Um, the attention to detail, like the, the, the program, the project management always amazes me how everything is just so organized amongst the crew and where people are supposed to be at this time and the hair and the makeup and the wardrobe and the testing now. It's just, it's like for Don't Look Up, I mean, it was just, it was amazing that, that this whole process that has to be put together in this uh, COVID world. But um, yeah, I mean, everyone that is there, for, you have a job to do. So I think, you know, initially when you get there, you might have that like sort of moment, that little out-of-body experience, like, oh gosh, I'm five feet from this person. And But I think it, it dissipates pretty quickly because you realize they have a job to do, you have a job yeah. to do. And, you know, people ask me, oh, like, do you take uh, photos, you know, portraits with them or whatever? <laughs> and I said, no, you, you really can't do that. And I see some actors that do it, and, and it's funny because you see the actor's face doesn't appear to be smiling. I'm yeah. like, it really, it's really not the time. And they usually say no cameras on set and yeah. things like that. So I would... Um, basically, my rule of thumb is if they if they talk to me, if they want to talk to me, great. If they if they don't, they you know they probably talk you know they have co-stars they're dealing with all the time, and so I would never hold it against you know someone if I was working with them and they you know nothing beyond yeah hi this you know, yeah uh, because I just know that there's so much many things going on. So if it if it so happens and we end up chatting a little bit, um, great. But that's that's never my expectation going yeah. in. Yeah. Um, is there anyone that you would like to work with that you haven't yet? Like Tom Hardy, maybe, or yeah. Jeremy Strong, uh, Carrie Mulligan, Amy Adams. So yeah, there's there's definitely some. I mean, I guess you know we all want to work with Spielberg or Scorsese at some point in time. So uh, definitely been able to to be to be around some 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 heavy hitters and directors. So there's always there's always more. Yeah. yeah. Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. The, the... Yeah. The big, the big... Yeah, the, the, the Rushmore of uh, directors. <laughs> Literally, with Wes Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you've had a lot of training, a lot of experience, but what would you say or any advice you give to someone that, that wants to yeah. you know, do something in, in the film industry, um, is, is going to school to learn about it the way? Is it just, hey, if you're, if you're good at, you know... Acting, put yourself on tape, you know. I, yeah, it's so, it's you know, because, you know, we were talking about Jennifer Lawrence earlier, and, you know, someone who grew up in Kentucky and was just, like, a natural. So, I mean, like, you do have these, like, prodigies who didn't necessarily do the Juilliard route or the NYU route. Yeah. So it's it's a profession that people come to in different ways. But I think, you know, we talked about it earlier. For someone that comes in some of these schools in New York or California, the top acting schools, and... Um, or you're moving to New York or LA, and it's like you want to do everything. You get here, you want to do uh, plays in the the basement of a church in Queens, and you know a non-union commercial on Staten Island, and you know a, a puppetry thing. Like the, you, you get here and you want to do everything. Yeah. And and I get that, and I think there is some wisdom in doing that because it does build your network and stuff. But I think 
If you're here for several years and you can start to identify what are the key areas, what are your key strengths, maybe you came here for both musical theater and film and TV, do you find yourself going more in one direction or another? So you can start to have your career on your own terms a little bit. You decide the things that are most important to you and the things that um, you've already done and it's not necessary to, to keep doing them. And you know, part of that is probably the, the quote unquote day job that you have too, but um, uh, yeah, and knowing yourself, knowing your brand. And again, that's probably something else that could conflict a little bit with sort of maybe college or high school theater programs because everyone has to play 75 year olds and eight year olds. Right. Like you yeah. only have like the 18 to 22 year olds and they have to do everything else. So then you get into a professional realm and you realize, oh, there are actually people a lot, you know, that can do those because that's their age. And so I think, and again, for actors, it's probably maybe a little challenging at first to accept it, but getting a sense of, of who you are and what you bring and how people are seeing you. We all want to break out of that a little bit. You know, we all want to, you know, uh, spread our wings. Um, I had an agent one time say in a workshop, he said, um, he's like, there's a few chameleons out there. It's like Daniel Day-Lewis, Meryl Streep, and he's like, and the rest of you are who you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and the television is big on that, I think, with personality. Uh, people are often sort of really doing a reflection of themselves, maybe comedy more so. Um, so yeah, I think understanding what you're what you're bringing, how that changes over time, you know, from your 20s to your 40s. And, and it is also an interesting career in that sometimes people get a lot of work at one eight, you know, maybe in their teens or in their 30s. Someone might really get a lot of work when they're in their 60s. So, um, yeah, that must be the worst if someone's like graduating from NYU after their parents spent 50000 a year and someone's like, you know, you're going to work a lot in your 50s. You know? <laughs> right. So what do I do now? Go to work at J.P. Morgan <laughs> yep. for like 20 years and then, you know. <laughs> so, keep, keep this in the back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, are you, are you um, planning to stay in New York or are you uh, ever considering uh, California again? Yeah. Um, I think part of, you know, what keeps me in New York, I mean, having the, the amount of work that goes on in Boston. So I like working up in Boston yeah. too and I do work as a local hire when I'm there. So I've, family there, but I feel like the shows and the films in New York tend to be grittier. Yeah. And I feel like that fits me more. So I think in general, some of the shows that are out there, um, you know, might be a, a, you know, a little bit more glamour focused or they just, you know, they're not gritty. I mean, they're sure. not, that's not yeah. as much as what they're going to have out there. So I think it would be, have to be a, a project that propelled me there. Was so you, something. you'd go there for something yeah. and then if that led into other things, but but your heart's here, right? Let's say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. mine too. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned you were just in Boston. You did this uh, Boston Strangler film. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else you have coming up that you want to promote, or any work in the past that you think people should check out of, of yours? Well, yeah, you mentioned Girls Five Eva, which I it's impossible for me to not say that in a Boston accent, yeah. I, and I don't know how anyone <laughs> doesn't. Just the Eva, you know, yeah. but. I think that's coming out in the spring, mm -hmm. um, so that was enjoyable because you know so many great shows in New York, but the, there's less comical ones. You have Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on a few, but um, Girls Five Evers is largely comedic. So to be able to do a scene with Paula Pell and Busy Phillips that's yeah. more funny, and and you know I, I certainly have a lot of '90s nostalgia, which the show is is really around. So that was fun, and I I, I know they've wrapped shooting season two, so. Maybe April or May time frame. Not positive on that. So, and then working on uh, Boston Strangler. So I think they're 
about to wrap maybe in a week or so. Um, so I think that'll be a really interesting movie because it's um, it's not from, I mean, there is a character playing, an actor playing the Boston Strangler, but it's mostly about the two women who broke the story mm -hmm. and put it together uh, uh, amidst great risk and a lot of, I think, um, suspicion from the Boston police or their own editors. So uh, Kira Knightley and Carrie Coon starring in those lead roles. So I think nice. that will be really good. My, my guess is that's maybe sort of a late, year type of thing, especially if they're hoping it'll be an awards vehicle for for someone that, you know, they want to get it out by Christmas. Yeah. So uh, I believe it's Hulu. I don't know if it'll have a small theatrical release, oh, too. That'd yeah. be great. But it, it's definitely a Disney 20th century movie. So those two. Um, yeah, you mentioned things from the past. I mean, you know, Measure of a Man was a really enjoyable indie film to work on. It had very limited release. The only place in New York City was down at, at Village East. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, it had Donald Sutherland, Judy Greer, Luke Wilson, a lot of great younger actors. So it just didn't have wide distribution. But yeah. I think it has, it's based on a, a young adult book from the 70s called One Fat Summer. Robert Lipsight wrote that. And he's, he's worked for the New York Times. He's been a big sports writer. So, so yeah, I think that's a nice little gem, especially if, uh, for someone that has uh, teenagers, tweens. It's a nice kind of heartwarming movie in that regard. And you know, I would be remiss to not uh, put another plug in for the path. I thought that was a really good show. It came out when Hulu was just starting. It's probably one of yeah. Hulu's first shows. So it just, Hulu didn't have that many subscribers back then. So I think that's why it, it you know, was maybe went um, a little bit under the radar at that particular time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else um, that, that you want to, well, you've already told us uh, some things that, that we should look out for. Anything? Wow, parting shots. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of like at the end of the James Lipton thing. Like, you yeah, know, except he's got questions. And I'm just like, hey, open-ended. What's what your you... favorite curse word? <laughs> what um, do you have here? Well, I think Hollywood or, you know, New York, you you hear a lot of stuff about how everyone's really, like, mean or nasty in it or, or you know, cutthroat and stuff. But, you know, most of the casting directors, agents, most of the people I've met have been really great and the people and, and crews. So th there's definitely something special about the community and supportive about the community and, and you make friends of people that you are often competing with you know you see them well not so much seeing them in the addition rooms now but really to know about those things so I think that there is a there's a camaraderie obviously I think every industry has a little bit of its um, you know side that's um, that's the word I want to look for uh, I was going to say seamy seamy is not really a word is it uh, no I don't think so um, <laughs> I think it is, but... Um... <laughs> Seemier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I think it's it's supportive, but it's also something that you definitely have to be dedicated to doing, and, and I definitely have seen people that have found other ways that were actors and they became casting directors or agents or they got more into the writing, or maybe they went to work for advertising. So uh, it's one of those things you, you hear it say, like, you, you only do it if you can't imagine yourself doing anything else because... You do make sacrifices. You do have rejections. There's a lot of things that are out of your control. And so I think it is difficult for people that definitely want more control in their career to, to give over um, when you say, you know, I knocked it out of the park. I nailed it out of the park. But it's just they actually wanted someone 10 years older or 
you know, whatever, however they went in a different direction. So um, I'm trying to uh, ra- <laughs> wrap it up in some There's sort some of, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, well, we can just say goodbye. We can say yeah. thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate you uh, taking Yo, the time. Yo, thanks. Yeah, this this was uh, this was great. This was uh, a yeah. lot of fun. It was really good to to kind of hear these experiences because, you know, as someone we we've hung out a number of times, but it's always like I don't want to grill you too much on on your acting world, you know. So it's kind of fun that we could sit down and, and talk about this. So. I'm glad you brought that up. So the the layman, laywoman should know like when they talk to an actor. Don't always be like, oh, what are you doing? Are you doing something now? Because for a lot of times for actors, if they're not, it's like, no, I'm in between shows now. I'm kind of, I'm auditioning a lot and, uh, you know, uh, doing stand-up at 4.30 p.m. at a place and, you know, Bushwick. So, yeah, just remember that uh, a lot of times your actor friends might not necessarily have an update at that time. So, You know, be gentle with be them when they're between. Yeah, when they're between things. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I think for the layman like myself, you know, you're kind of excited to see into that exactly. world, and so yeah. you want a little taste of it. But it is, it's a little bit more um, razor's edge for the people that are in that world. Yeah. Uh, like you said, because you might not have a job right now, but you might have gotten off a huge one, and also you might not be able to talk about it. You know, so yeah. there there's a lot of um, not tiptoeing, but you know, like you're saying, you want to be sensitive to it yeah supportive yeah. and sensitive yeah. yeah all right well brian again thank I think you that was so good much. note to end on yeah yes. that's that's what we we're looking for <laughs> the we're advice for. we could give to the layman and the laywoman about <laughs> yes. how you approach your actor friends all right yeah. thank you very much it was thank really you. great to, to sit down with you and have this discussion thank you thanks